At the beginning, I would like to present uh, shortly the structure of my presentation. After a short in introduction, I will talk in the first section about um, the two main dimensions of Aristotelian teleology, the end state directness and purposiveness, as it is presented in, the, in different uh, um, main books of Aristotle. In the second, um, in the second section, I will talk about end state directness in contemporary biology. And this section has two subsections. First, um, I will talk about the reduction of end state directness to cybernetic mechanism and programs in the um, first half of 20th century. And in the second subsection, I will talk about the redu reduction of end state directness in uh, modern systems theory and in systems biology. In the third section, I will deal with um, the second main pillar of teleology, the uh, idea of purposiveness, um, as it is interpreted as function in contemporary biology. And here again, there are two subsections. The first one about the reduction of function, about the etiological theory of function. And the second one is so-called dispositional theory of function. In the fourth section, I will come back to Aristotle um, in order to show that um, he still has something to say to us. And that, um, and in this section, I will also make a connection between Aristotle's ideas and uh, um, essential ideas of two main uh, philosophers of biology of the 20th century. The term teleology was coined in 1728 by Christian Wolff, the most eminent German philosopher that lived be between Leibniz and Kant as a designation of the doctrine of purposes in nature. Etymologically, it stems from the Greek word, word telos, which plays a crucial role in Aristotle's metaphysics denoting one of the four kinds of causes that Aristotle identifies in nature that is also known as causa finalis, or in English, final cause. Teleology is a central concept of biology. According to many contemporary biologists and philosophers of biology, the term, the term excuse me, um, the concept of teleology refers to central aspects of living beings. Even more, the term teleology has a seminal and identificatory function because it serves the determination of the subject area of biology. Teleological analysis is the crucial means by which to distinguish living from inanimate beings and define the concept of organism. In contemporary biology, two different meanings are assigned to the term teleology end state directness and purposiveness. While the end state of a biological event is its final state of completion, its purpose is its function within an organism or another biological entity, such as an ecosystem. Both meanings of teleology can also be found in Aristotle's philosophical and biological writings. 
The purpose of my presentation is to indicate some crucial difficulties of the understanding of teleology in contemporary biology and to show the relevance of Aristotle's conception of teleology for overcoming these issues. To that aim, I will first say a few words about Aristotle's understanding of teleology. and state and purpose in Aristotle's writings. Aristotle is the main founder of the teleological reflection and terminology. In his ontological, biological, and ethical writings, there are many places in which he uses the term telos as meaning either the end state or the purpose of an event. On some passages of metaphysics, Telos has clearly the sense of end state or final state. I use the terms end state and final state as synonymous. I quote um, from the fifth book of Metaphysics, the things which have attained their end, Telos, this being good, are called complete, Telia. For things are complete in virtue of having attained their end. The end, Telos is something ultimate. Death, too, is by a feature of speech called the end, the end, because both are last, are last things. The end, telos, of each thing is that towards which the movement and the action are. Here we see clearly that um, Aristotle uses the word Telos in the sense of end state, final state. Aristotle grounds his biology in the assumption that, the, that all end state directed biological events serve a purpose. I quote, all animals both impart movement and are moved for the sake of something so that this is the limit to all their movement, the thing for the sake of which the Greek word for this is who Heneka, that for the sake of which. The purposiveness of biological end state directedness applies also to the formation of an organism's, of an organism's organs during its morphogenesis. I quote from the Sepulchre Physics, plants send things down for the sake of nourishment and sharp teeth are located in the front of the mouth for the sake of tearing. It is essential for Aristotle's biology that organs can only be understood through the lens of their function. The basis for the identification of organs is not provided by their morpho morphological features, but by their purpose or function in a living being. Organisms are understood as functional units rather than as material structures. Obviously, teleology constitutes the backbone of Aristotle's biology. Biological objects, organisms or their organs, are, ident are identified and defined only through teleology. From Aristotle's perspective, the purpose of an organ is inherent to it. This follows from a crucial aspect of his ontology, according to which the essence, the Greek word is eidos or ousia, of an entity 
coincides with its purpose. I quote from the second book of physics, the what, this means in this case, what something is, the essence of something, and that for the sake of which the who Hanukkah are one, end of quote. Aristotle often uses the term purpose, the who Hanukkah, as a synonym for telos. Telos in the particular sense of an event's end state is that for the purpose an event progressively unfolds towards its own completion. In metaphysics, it is stated that, I quote, the ultimate purpose, the Huheneka, is also an end, a telos. End of the almost equivalent, equivalent usage of the terms end state and purpose on the one hand, and the coincidence of, the, of an entity's essence, the Iados, with its purpose, on the other hand, is crucial for understanding the role of the soul in Aristotle's influential work on the soul, the anima, or peripsychis. The soul is primarily that by means of which all living beings live, animals and human, humans perceive, and humans think. The difficulty in conceiving of the soul is due to the fact that though it is something immaterial, I quote, it belongs to a body and for this reason exists in a body, end of quote, capable of being alive. So only, only biological entities have a soul in Aristotle's writings. Inorganic things do not have a soul. The soul is the organism's immaterial essence, the usia or idos, and purpose. He says that very clearly in the second book of De Anima. The soul sustains the material constitution of the, organisms, of the organism through the control of its metabolism and growth, and, in the case of animals, moves the body. Because of the intrinsic connection between purpose and end state in Aristotle's ontology, the soul is the causal factor that determines the end state directedness of biological events. Of crucial importance in Aristotle's biology is the fact that the purposive end state at which biological events aim have always a positive value for the living beings. The physical movements of animals caused by their soul aim at something good. Agathon is the Greek word, agathon, that they desire because it is pleasant and with the attainment of which the movement ends. He says that in the sixth uh, book of De uh, Motu Animalium on the, on the movement of animals. Now, um, to the second section, end state directedness in contemporary biology. Most biological phenomena such as mitosis, myosis, cell cycle, homeostasis, embryogenesis, growth, foraging, mating, and migration are directed towards a particular end state. Taking this essential fact into account, some influential philosophers of biology and biologists define teleological entities and events as those that tend to, I quote David Hall, one of the founders of, of modern philosophy of biology, approach, so is, they tend to, I quote, approach 
attain or maintain certain preferred states, end of quote, or to oscillate around them. Ernst Meyer provides um, in his writings a similar definition of teleology. This aspect of teleology is also referred to as goal or aim directedness. After the ultimate decline of neo-vitalism in the 20th century, two different ways to explain end-state directedness were introduced. So the first one um, reduces end-state directedness to cybernetic mechanisms and programs. In 1943, the founders of cybernetics, Rosenblut, Wiener, and Bigelow, published the, the article, Behavior, Purpose, and Teleology in which they argued for the rehabilitation of teleological thought. They reintroduced the term teleology in order to denote, and I quote, act or behavior directed to the attainment of a goal, namely to a final condition in which the behaving object reaches a definite correlation in time or in space with respect to another object or event, end of quote. In this statement, the term final condition means final state or end state, which is understood as the encounter between a behaving object, for example, an unmanned spaceship, with a certain external object, for example, an asteroid. Cyberneticists define teleological behavior as a behavior which reaches a final state by means of a mechanism or negative quote. Teleological behavior thus becomes, synony becomes synonymous with behavior controlled by negative feedback and gains therefore in precision by a sufficiently restricted connotation. The operations of cybernetic automata do not have meaning and value for the automata themselves, but only for human beings who, determines, who determine the goals and purposes of such automata. Cybernetic theory is not able to count for the semantic aspects which underlie the design of cybernetic and information processing automata. Some influential neo-Darwinists adopted and further developed the non-metaphysical concept of teleology provided by the cyberneticists. The famous evolution theorist Ernst Meyer added that the mechanisms which activate the negative feedbacks and orient them towards the final states are programs. Meyer, Jacob, and Monod are the best known proponents of the metaphor in biology. They consider programs as genetic or behavioral algorithms that were generated in evolution and brought selective advantages to the organisms that carry them out. The neo-Darwinist idea of the genetic program or genetic information is based on the concept of information as it has been introduced in cybernetics and information theory. In part, this makes it difficult to ascribe semantic aspects to this idea. Nevertheless, this should be possible. 
since survival, reproduction, or death cannot be con conceived of without any reference to their meaning and value for the organism in question. The biggest challenge, however, to which the reduction of fence-state directedness to programs is being exposed is the progressive deconstruction of the program metaphor in the last 30 years. There is a rapidly increasing number of publications in the fields of genetics, epigenetics, and plasticity that demonstrate the ability of organisms not only to reorganize their own phenotype, but also their genomes. One of the leading geneticists, James Shapiro, speaks about the, I quote, natural genetic engineering, end of quote, of organisms, which means that, I quote again, Shapiro, living cells can engineer their DNA, end of quote. Those insights have undermined the concept of organisms as physical translations of genetic programs into phenotypes. As a, re as a result, the program metaphor is yielding to systems theoretical considerations of organisms, such as, such as developmental systems theory and systems biology. Head state directness as a result of a dynamic systems behavior. Influenced by the paradigm of complexity and self-organization, contemporary theoretical and systems biologists consider organisms energetically and materially open, self-organizing dynamic systems that operate far from equil thermodynamic equilibrium. A system is defined as a dynamic system if its state at any given moment can be described in terms of a limited set of time-dependent or state variables, x of t equal to x1 of t, x2 of t, xn of t. So in this case, we have n, n variables for which a mathematical function f, a mathematical function f can be formulated that creates a lawful connection between states at time t and the immediately next moment, t plus delta t. The properties of this function reflect the causal relationships at work within the system. The set of, sta of state variables x1 of t, x2 of t, xn of t spans an abstract space, the so-called state space of the system. The, de the, the development of a dynamic system is not merely the result of the function f, but depends also on a group of externally set parameters. parameters. The following formula is an abstract depiction of a dynamic system. The value of the, variab of the variables x at the time t plus delta t is, an, uh, is a function of the variables at the time x, uh, excuse me, is, is, is uh, a function of the variables x at the time t. This is the moment immediately before. The parameters p, and of course, it depends also on the um, on the time step, delta t. The letter p represents a set of parameters. Parameters are constants, the value of which is determined by the modeler. Parameters play a decisive role 
in the development of the state variables e t. In many models of self-organized behavior, the dynamics of the system generates a series of states that is determin deterministically directed towards a final state. Here, in, here we see um, a two-dimensional state space. The system has just two variables, x1 and x2. And this curve is called the trajectory. It describes the development of the dynamics from this starting point to this end point. So this point here is the end state of the uh, system's dynamic. So end state directness means in this case, a deterministic um, development of, of, of the trajectory to a particular, particular um, uh, point. Of course, there are some very, very complicated trajectories and there are different forms of end state directness. So, for example, even cell size, even, even um, limit cycles have a, a present a particular form of, of, of teleology because they are uh, moving around a particular point in the state space. So the function f is the central element of the model. In most cases, f is a system of cobbled nonlinear differential equations. In systems biology, as well as in contemporary philosophy of science, those systems of equations are often described as mechanisms. Thus, in, in biological modeling, the end states of biological events are calculated by mathematical mechanisms. In my understanding, most systems biologists emphasize the heuristic value of their work for the development of new biotechnologies and new drugs for the treatment of diseases such as cancer, Parkinson, Alzheimer's disease, and other. Some biologists, however, claim that organisms are nothing more than complex physico-chemical dynamical systems. Accordingly, they pursue a vision of future computer simulations of whole multi multicellular organisms, possibly within the next decades. This development has some clearly philosophical overtones as the biologists who pursue it attribute to the theory of self-organized dynamic systems ontological and not just heuristic relevance for biology. I consider such ontologizing of systems biological mechanisms problematic for at least, at least two reasons. The first reason, this is my first point of critique to the um, reduction of end state directedness to, um, uh, to the deterministic development of the dynamic systems. So the first point, in contemporary models, the most essential factor is the structure of the mechanism. In other words, the form of the differential equations which compute the variables. Those systems of equations are complex mathematical relations between the variables and the parameters. In contemporary formalisms, the structure of the mechanism is not influenced by the results of its computation of the dynamical system's chains of states. However, 
during the cell cycle, regeneration and readaptation of unicellular and multicellular organisms, a vast array of new sorts of proteins is synthesized as the organism, excuse me, as the pattern of gene activity changes. This means that the molecular constitution of each real organism and thus the dynamic relations within it are permanently subject to change. Embryogenetic events display even more radical dynamics. A system of differential equations representing the development of an embryo would have to undergo a transformation that is so radical that not only most of its parameters would have to be replaced by variables, but also that formal but also that formal structure of the system, that is, form and number of the equations themselves, could have to be subject to permanent radical variation until maturity is reached. Of course, it could be objected that during the simulation of such a complex biological event, the modelers could vary the computing mechanism by changing the equations or, or adding new equations. The question is not whether this could be done. Of course, this can, of course, this can be done. The question, in my opinion, is what ontological or explanatory value such a variation would have beyond purely heuristic utility. Such a modification of the mechanism would then, such a modification of the mechanism would then represent the causality of real organisms. Of, excuse me, of real organismic self-transformation only if two conditions were satisfied. The first condition, the results that a concrete system of equations would compute in a particular point of time t would legitimate the structure of the immediately following system of equations that would be valid at the point of time t plus delta t. So what I'm saying here is that if you vary the system, the variation of the system should um, follow logically from the operation of the system. The second point is that the transition from the earlier system of equation to the, lat to the latter would not contain big logical gaps, but be as continuous as possible. In other words, the time steps delta t should be as small as possible. Um, what I'm saying here is actually that, that um, the transition should be a continuous process and not a discrete process. Now to the second uh, criticism. The sharp distinction between parameters and variables in contemporary biomathematical bio mechanisms is questionable. While this distinction is pro not problematic within physics, even the simplest organisms transcend this logic. In order to preserve their own adaptations, organisms trigger multiple changes within themselves. In modeling organisms as dynamic systems, these changes ought to be described as internally controlled changes of many parameters. This is necessary if the model makers are to be trusted to have developed a model 
that not only has a heuristic value for biotechnology, but actually gives an insight into a real organism's causality. A model which realistically mirrors the, organism, the organism's autonomy must be able, at, at least in principle, to calculate a significant part, a significant part of its, the model's parameters. So I'm not saying that it must compute all its parameters, but at least a significant parts of them. That is to say, to make dynamic those quantities which in today's modeling are kept constant, or in other words, to convert most of the parameters into variables and let the overall, the overall system's dynamics compute their value. To the best of my knowledge, contemporary biomathematical modeling has not yet reached that level, a level that would allow it to meet and answer both points of my criticism. Therefore, I question the ability of systems theoretical reduction of organisms to explain the end state directedness of real, real biological phenomena. Section three, purpose as function in contemporary biology. So section two was about the end state directedness. Now we uh, move to the second dimension of teleology, purposiveness. In contemporary biological thought, the term purposiveness refers to the ability of all kinds of organismic structures from the level of biomolecules and cell organelles to the level of organs and, and organ complexes to contribute to the self-preservation and reproduction of the organism. The events that take place at various levels of complexity are described as purposive because they mutually generate the, condition of their, the conditions of their occurring so that their synergy produces, produces, shape, and sustains the organism. In other words, the term purpose is generally used as synonymous with the term function. Many philosophers of biology make a distinction between two theories of function, the etiological theory of function. Mainstream evolutionary theorists trace, func trace functions back to natural selection, which they consider to be a key mechanism of evolution. If an organism has a trait T that has a tendency to perform a particular function which increases in prob its probability to stay alive, and its ability to propagate, that trait T will probably become positively selected so that it is possible that the function that it tends to perform appears again in the offspring of that organism. All functions of an organism are traced back to effects that occurred in the array of its ancestors and have been subject to natural selection. In evolutionary theory, the concept of function is closely related to that of adaptation. I quote Sterelli and Griffiths, two, two seminal philosophers of biology. The function of a biological trait are those effects for which it is an adaptation, end of quote. From the point of view of neo-Darwinian evolutionary theory, 
A functional explanation is considered to be an explanation of the origin of a trait that performs a specific function. This approach to function is referred to as etiological because it explains function in terms of its origin, which in this case designates its origin in the evolution of, the given, of a given species. New Darwinist theoreticians of teleology say, for example, that wings develop in a bird embryo in order to perform a function, which was positively selected in the lives of all its bearers, which were progenitors of the bird embryo in question. The what for, the what for questions and the in order to responses typical of teleological language were retained. The etiological theory of function has been exposed to critique. The central argument against it is that evolutionary theory cannot, ex cannot explain the, of, the origination of function because it implicitly presupposes that biological functions have always existed in evolution. To put it differently, adaptational explanations already imply, already imply the functionality of the traits, the variations and positive selection of which they connect with the origination of, the origination of functions. For instance, a classic example for evolutionary adaptation goes as follows. The change of color of peppered moths from white to black that occurred in the 19th century industrial Great Britain was positively selected because the black insects became less visible while sitting on dark trees so that this change, this change of color protected them from predators. The adaptational explanation ascribes to that trait, to the trait black color, the tendency to perform the function of the protection from, pred from predation. This explanation of function, however, includes the presupposition that animals which are the prey of other animals, if they are to survive and to propagate, must already perform must already perform the function of camouflage through coloration. Since this story presupposes the function of the trait, it cannot explain the reason for which this very function can be ascribed to that trait. The other um, important theory of function is the so-called dispositional theory of function. Dispositional or propensity theory of function challenge, challenges some of the etiological theory theory's basic premises. According to the influential philosopher of biology, Peter Godfrey Smith, I quote, dispositional theory of function is based on the assumption that the function of something is the typical causal or is the typical causal role that something has, especially its typical contribution to a larger and more complex system, end of quote. Whereas etiological theory asks why a function has evolved in the past, dispositional theory asks what a trait contributes to an organized whole in which it is 
it is contained in the present. In short, dispositional theory asks about the ability, the disposition or propensity of an element to perform something within the causal network of a larger whole that contains it. If, however, the definition of function becomes reduced to a causal analysis, the difference between the functionality of biological and artificial or inorganic elements gets blurred. Does the hair have a function within the living body in the same sense in which clouds contribute to the water cycle or the oil pump contributes to the action of an engine? Therefore, as Ernst Nagel points out, the whole in question must be directed towards an end state that might be described as an aim. Moreover, the aim must be an intrinsic, not an extrinsic one. This is the case of an externally programmed aim pursued by a cybernetic automaton. Therefore, some philosophers of biology come to the conclusion that dispositional or propensity theory of function can define the function of a trait only if the containing whole is an organism whose actions are directed towards survival and propagation. This means that dispositional theory attributes a function and thus, as in contemporary biology, function is a synonym for purpose, a purpose to a particular trait if it serves the survival and propagation of an organism. By doing so, it elevates survival and propagation to the level of the main point of reference for all other organismic activities, and thus ascribes to them the highest biological value. However, such a high status of survival and propagation, which otherwise might be considered as mere physical occasions, raises a question. The philosopher and scientist Marc Bedeau suggests that essential connection between teleology and value when he excuse me suggests the essential connection between teleology and value when he rightly notes that I quote Bedeau, we are unsure whether teleological notions apply in roughly the same cases as those in which we are unsure whether value notions apply. End of quote. This statement relating teleology with value leads us back to Aristotle's consideration, considerations of organismic teleology, as we shall see in the next and last section of this presentation. So section four, the relevance of Aristotle's notion of teleology and its roots in the normative activity of its organism. The unique biological value of survival and propagation is grounded in their commonality. They both prolong the duration of life and help to resist death, the former of the organism and the latter, and the latter of the species. Raising them to the main point of reference in defining function or purpose of other biological phenomena basically says that life is better than death. Since survival is the condition for propagation, and for different reasons, many living beings do not have offspring, it can be said that survival has the logical priority before propagation. Moreover, it is our own experience of survival 
It is our own experience of survival as something good that allows us to distinguish between beneficial and, detriment and detrimental things and occasions for an organism. A being that can die has needs. Anything that serves the needs of an organism is a benefit for it. Thus, our discernment between what is beneficial and what is detrimental becomes a logical base for the definition of the concept of a function. I quote a German philosopher of biology and biologist, Marianne Schark. The function of an element of a living being is that part, is that part of its performance that is beneficial or good for that living being. End of quote. Or, in the words of Peter McLaughlin, I quote, if we ascribe a function to an item I in a system S, we assume that S is an appropriate subject of benefit, that it has a good, end of quote. This understanding of function or purpose brings us back to Aristotle and his above mentioned, con mentioned conviction that purposiveness and end state directedness are always related to something that is good for a living being. Um, now I will show you some, some uh, quotes from different books of Aristotle. The first two are from Nicomachean Ethics. The good is that at which all things aim. Or another quote, the supreme good seems to be something final. Now two quotes from the physics. Not every state that is last claims to be an end, but only that which is the best. The Ariston is the Greek word for best. Or the last quote, the term that for the sake of which means what is best and the end of the things that lead up to it. End of quote. Consequently, Aristotle's biology finds its ultimate ground in the idea that the soul directs both the internal phenomena of the organism and its external activity towards the achievement of an end states of, of end states that are purposive, that is beneficial, because they are good for the organism. As mentioned before, according to Aristotle, the movements of animals end with the attainment of final states which the soul considers to be good because they are pleasant to it. He clearly says that in, in De Motu Animalium. So experience plays in, in, in Aristotle's biology an important role in explaining the movements of animals. In physics, he clearly, he clearly says, excuse me, this does not mean, however, that Aristotle ascribes a human or animal-like conscious considerations to biological processes. In physics, he clearly says that a purposefully acting entity is only rarely conscious of its acting, I quote. It is absurd to suppose that purpose is not present because we do not observe the agent deliberating, end of quote. Conscious action is only a seldom special case of purposeful and directed action. The idea that biological events always strive to attain something good 
but also another important application in Aristotle's biology. It indissolubly interweaves end state directness with purposiveness. This becomes apparent once we realize that end states that con are considered to be purposes because they are seen as good. To put it in modern terms, in Aristotle's biology, the concept of positive value intertwines the concept of functionality and the concept of end state directedness. But why do we, as stated at the beginning of this section, ascribe to survival and in general to being alive a highly positive and accordingly to death a highly negative value? This question goes, goes beyond the temporal and thematic limits of this presentation. Nonetheless, it should be recalled that the concept of the dynamic polarity of life, introduced by the highly influential French philosopher, French philosopher and physician Georges Condillem, deals precisely with that issue. As such, it, I quote Condillem, as such, it expresses the fundamental fact that life is not indifferent to the conditions in which it is possible, that life is polarity and thereby even an unconscious position, an unconscious position of value. And further, I quote again, in short, life is in fact a normative, a normative activity. Normative in the fullest sense of the word is that which establishes norms. So normative um, for Condillem does not mean something that has norms or values. Normative is something that creates and changes its own norms and values and introduces new norms and values. So in the fullest sense of the word is that which establishes norms. And it is in this sense that we plan to talk about biological normativity. We do not ascribe a human content to vital norms, but we do ask ourselves how normativity essential to human consciousness could be explained if it did not in some way exist in embryo in life. This means in an embryonic um, primitive form in all uh, living beings, even in the most simple ones. Life's struggles against the innumerable dangers threatening it is a permanent and essential vital need. Therapeutic need is a vital need, which even in lower living organisms arouses, arouses reactions of hedonic value of self-healing or self-restoring behaviors. Life is polarity. The simplest biological nutritive system of assimilation and excretion expresses a polarity, end of quote. What Condillem's claims here may be seen as an indication that our evaluation of life as being superior to death is nothing but a sophisticated manifestation of the dynamical polarity of life. That is to say, the elementary assessment of good and bad, beneficial and detrimental, that all organisms can unconsciously perform. Conguillem's positions corresponds well with Hans Jonas' 
attribution of inwardness, inwardness or interiority to all organisms, I quote Jonas, that comprises all forms and grades of subjective being, um, excuse me, that it comprises all forms and, and, and um, grades of subjective being down to the deepest feeling of the amoeba, F, end of quote. Jonas ascribes a subjective inwardness that is limited to primitive modes of experience without any conscious activity, also to all other forms of life, lower, lower than that of animal life. Within this perspective, Congilem's dynamic polarity of life arises from the interiority or inwardness and subjectivity of each and every organism. No matter how elementary they might be, interiority and subjectivity allow them to distinguish between factors that are beneficial and detrimental for them, for them and to evaluate the former as positive and the latter as negative. In conclusion, I want to emphasize that the connection of end-state directness to purposiveness, inspired by Aristotle and supported by the positions of Conquilliam and Jonas, provides a better metaphysical basis for the understanding of biological teleology than the systems theoretical reduction of end states directness and the various forms of reduction of purposes to, purpose to function. This position is well summarized in Hans Jonas' words. I quote Jonas, there is no organism without teleology. There is no teleology without inwardness and Life can be known only by life, end of quote. Thank you for your attention. Thank you very much, uh, Professor Kutrufinis. Uh, that was a wonderful lecture, uh, packed with very important information and relating uh, ancient concept of teleology to contemporary biology. This is what uh, I believe is crucial uh, in this uh, conversation that we have nowadays. We have several questions already. Uh, and little time for them. So uh, without further ado, I asked Bob Russell to ask uh, his question. Thank you, sir. That was a brilliant lecture. I really appreciate it very much. I have a very simple question. Um, how do you <clears throat> distinguish between teleonomy and teleology? Your example of the function of a wing seemed to me to be an example of teleonomy, not teleology. Yes, thank you. Um, Teleonomy is actually, I would say, is a part, a part of, of um, um, teleology. Teleonomy was introduced in 1958 by and then was uh, adopted by Ernst Meyer and other, and other uh, um, scholars uh, who interpreted teleonomy in terms of information, genetic programs, so what, what Pittendrick actually did not did, did not do. Uh, he, he did not connect, Pittendrick does not connect in this, in this uh, chapter of a book in which the teleonomy concept appears, the idea of teleonomy with information or, or cybernetics or, or genetic programs. But later the uh, neo-Darwinists, theoreticians did that. So they would say that uh, the, the development of the, of the wings in the embryo are 
determined by the genetic program. And this genetic program, this is what Ernst Meyer and others would say, um, has been positively selected in the millions of years of, of, of uh, natural selection in the evolution. So I think this is what they would say. So teleonomy, again, teleonomy is, is a particular form of talking about teleology. Interesting. Thank you very much. Uh, we have another question, and I was asked to read it. It comes from uh, uh, Perisha. The question is this. In connection to the previous lecture, how does teleology observed in physical processes evolve to teleology we see in organisms? Well, the question is here, what does exactly mean teleology in physical processes? In my opinion, um, um, so for example, if we take systems theory, okay, dynamical systems theory, then teleology is the end state directedness. Well, uh, um, systems biologists today would say this is exactly the form of teleology, uh, teleology I'm talking about. So uh, the teleology that we have in systems biology or in contemporary theoretical biology is explained by the deterministic development of uh, the trajectories of nonlinear dynamic systems. In this case, teleology becomes only a very complicated or a very complex form of physical teleology. Okay. It is, it is explained by the, the, it's not explained anymore by information or by genetic programs. Systems biologists do not like these words, programs and, and information, at least most of them. But they reduce teleology or teleonomy, I would even say. This is also a sort of teleonomy, a new form of teleonomy. They reduce it to the um, um, blind interactions, blind in, uh, metaphors, okay, in quotation marks, interactions between molecules. So there's no purpose and there is no aim there, but the outcome looks as if, as if it were directed to a particular state. So end state directedness is the result of a deterministic process and nothing like that. But in my, in my uh, presentation, I have uh, questioned this reduction. So mm -hmm. I don't think that this explains, that, that physics can explain this, the teleology that we, uh, that we observe in real organisms. Real organisms are something entirely different than the, than the, the models that we make with our mathematics. So I don't know really how the real biological uh, teleology is connected to, to physical teleology. This is actually a metaphysical question. I think this question leads to the question, what is matter, actually? A question that physics does not answer. Physics provides descriptions of how to describe the dynamics of material systems, but it does not explain them. Uh, as you know, Marius, um, and maybe some of you, um, I, uh, um, I'm a convinced Whiteheadian and Bergsonian. So in, in process ontology, we have a totally different approach to matter. And in, uh, in our view, even inorganic uh, events, for example, for example, quantum events do have an elementary form of, um, that uh, allows them 
to act teleologically. But this is not an answer of a physicist. This is an answer of a metaphysician, as I understand. 